on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, October 9th. LA Galaxy coming off of a 5-2 defeat at the hands of Minnesota United. Maybe you watched it. Maybe you didn't. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And, of course, the LA Galaxy eliminated from postseason contention. Didn't even get a chance to play there. I always tried to figure out a way to say that that makes it seem like the LA Galaxy don't get to go to the dance. So they got no dance. They didn't even get invited to the dance. There is no dance. Galaxy out of the playoffs. Third time in four years. We'll talk about that as well as we go. And because this is the only show this week, because I'm out of town this weekend, we're going to talk a little bit about the RSL game too and sort of get you what to expect. But obviously lots of postmortem to be done to help me do all that. We're glad to have him back. It's Kevin the Panda Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? Hey, the season is not all the way over yet. We still have Fan Appreciation Day coming up. I, I, I have stats for Fan Appreciation Day, by the way, because I keep Fan Appreciation Day stats in case there is a game that matters and you want to know how they've done in Fan Appreciation Day. And uh, yeah, it's not pretty. It's not something I would suggest everybody look at. Uh, but but funny enough, Kevin, we talked about this, I think, last time. It's, it's one of those things that we see... Um, the Galaxy have been good, and then they've been bad. Um, and then recently on Fan Appreciation Day, they've just been atrocious. So uh, if you're headed towards that Dallas game, we'll see how that uh, how that. Well, here's a couple. Here's a couple of trivia questions for you. Yeah. Then Ricky uh, Pooj has missed three games this season: one with the suspension, and two with injury. What's the Galaxy? How many games of those three of the Galaxy won? Zero. That's right. They're oh, over three without Ricky Pooj. Here's another question for you. Yes. Toronto has already clinched the golden uh, wooden spoon. The golden spoon. I like that. Is that the, the yogurt? Yeah, well, there's yeah. the yogurt, yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a couple of them around here. So. Right. Um, they've already clinched the wooden spoon. Do you know who has the highest payroll in MLS? Uh, Toronto. They do. And second is the Galaxy. Yes. Four of the top five teams in payroll will not make the playoffs. And if Chicago misses... That would be five of the top six. Yeah, and it seems likely that's the case. Five of the top six, including Miami, right? Didn't make the playoffs and that type of thing. So, you know, just because you spend and throw around a whole bunch of cash, Kevin, doesn't mean that you got to go to the playoffs, but also if you make the playoffs, right? And uh, I was fully aware of this while it was going on, but still you want to get in the dance. If Let's say you scraped in as the ninth best team in the Western Conference. That means you were one of the 18th best teams in Major League Soccer to go on. So uh, as I was talking to some people uh, around the LA Galaxy uh, and said, and they, they said, you know, 18th best team isn't exactly a great, great marker for, for success, right? It's one of those, but it is sort of the marker. You got to make the playoffs in order to get a chance at MLS Cup. Well, and that's the bottom line, right? 
Well, with the spending, it's not so much how much you spend, obviously. It's what you spend it on and how those players produce. If you look at the bottom of the table, right, the cheapest team as far as payroll goes, Montreal. They're in, they're in playoff position. Number two the, the, in the, is St. Louis. They're the second cheapest team as far as payroll goes. They lead the West. Then comes the Red Bulls. After them, Orlando, second in the Supporters' Shield. They are the fourth from the bottom in terms of payroll. Mm-hmm. Real Salt Lake in the playoffs. Minnesota is a contender. All the teams at the bottom are in the playoffs. All the teams at the top are going home early. It, it, it certainly seems that way. By the way, I had the chart pulled up for you. Did you see? We didn't even talk about that, and I already had the the the, the most expensive to least expensive team, how much people yeah. play. So they have that. That was uh, Tom Bogert had put that out earlier today as well, which is why I clipped it and, and have the chart. But he was like four well, of the top five spending teams missed the playoffs, five of six, including Miami, whenever Chicago doesn't make it as well. That's just proof that great minds think alike, and I don't know why you're on the same wavelength as me if that, that's the case. No, 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 no. It's uh, That's certainly not it. But um, let's uh, – can, can we talk about this? This game a little bit before I know we want to everybody wants to jump to postmortem and look at the season and I understand why people would want to do that um it, it's just that the season's not over yet and there's time to do that and trust me there's a whole off season to be able to talk about this stuff as well uh but there is obviously a reaction and and we will talk a little bit about why what happened this season I think and sort of what needs to change and, and how things sort of came about so uh we will do that but this game was strange even to begin with because this game, as we were getting ready to go, uh, there started to be rumblings on Twitter, Kevin, that this game would not be played on Apple TV, that Apple TV was not going to have it because there was a strike of the like, I think it was the video board technicians and the people who operate inside the stadium at uh, for Minnesota United, who are not Minnesota United employees. Uh, they were uh, they're a union and they were striking for health care and, and some, some and benefits was- and stuff like that. I think for the six camera operators, which you pointed out, right, dealt a real blow to any attempt at doing a decent VAR. Well, well, so apparently, and this is again, this is sort of an outside look because nobody really wants to talk about this. But apparently, what happened was the camera operators decided to honor that strike, right? So it wasn't necessarily the camera operators or the uh, uh, that were part of that. They but they were honoring the strike that was going on for the operations guys who were at the stadium, and that's when you lost all of your cameras. I think you only got one camera, Kevin. I think it was a single angle. Like the whole time, it was atrocious. And I have to imagine that they got somebody who doesn't necessarily do cameras all the time. They had to find somebody who was non-union and the whole deal. But the fact that every other game in the league was played on Apple TV and every other game on the league had the minimum number of cameras plus whatever extra cameras, you know, uh, Apple slash MLS puts in, except for the L.A. Galaxy um, and Minnesota is in my mind, in a, a, a tilted field that I don't like. Um, and I certainly think that there were chances and there could have been, although we don't know because we can't see the replays, uh, there could have been chances for offside. Uh, there could have been replays. There could have been a whole litany of things that could have been reviewed, uh, but couldn't have been because there was only a single wide angle played from above. And I don't know about you, Kevin. I don't know if you watched it religiously, and I, w- I watched it. We ended up having to, to watch it on MLSsoccer.com. They put it on the, the front page. Um, but I feel like I almost didn't watch the game because of how you sort of had this standoffish view from up top. And, and that was about it. It was a very weird way to watch a game. It felt like we were, it was 15 years in the past almost. No. Yeah. It felt like, remember how we used to watch us open cup games? Yeah. Yes. On streaming. And they'd yes. be like at a high school stadium yep. and the camera would be like a drone for like, like if six miles away, it'd be from the space shuttle or something. Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 not good. By the way, Lasso Zapta optimism. We said you're like the 18th best team if you make the playoffs in the ninth spot in the whole deal. And he goes, so how about 19th? You know, it's like, what about the teams that are on the outside? And really, uh, you know, I, I certainly think the organization sees this as a as a huge sort of uh, massive failure to not make the playoffs. Um, while there's reasons for that, and and certainly I think if maybe they made some better choices, we can talk about that. But anyway. This whole thing going in. So now you don't have the cameras. Now you don't have the same thing. I don't think they had the the announcers were different. I think we had to we had to uh, work with whoever the United Minnesota United announcer was. And I think it was maybe a radio guy um, who had come in or they brought somebody in last minute because usually it's not a single person booth. So that was different. So already this game felt like it was almost out of reach or, or out of touch just from how you're watching it. You're already watching it differently than everybody else is watching games. I know there's people who couldn't even find the game. Um, I got yelled at multiple times that night on Twitter for tweeting out a link to the game because that was apparently crossing a picket line, uh, which I said, I'm trying to I'm trying to cover a sport, so I will do that um, in order in order to, uh, to to try and get that because audio doesn't help. Although with as bad as sort of the camera angle was, maybe maybe audio was the way to go as well. You know what else was weird about that is going into that game. It's I mean, yes, that game mattered, but it. It almost didn't matter if FC Dallas had won, and they're playing Colorado at home, and that game never happened. Yeah, that didn't happen, right? And so we didn't know about that. I mean, the really crazy thing, and I got crap for this because people don't understand how these things actually work, was the Galaxy were not eliminated whenever they lost against Minnesota United. That's not what eliminated the LA Galaxy. There was scenarios in place where if the LA Galaxy lost and San Jose and uh, San Jose had beaten Dallas and RSL had beaten Sporting Kansas City, that the Galaxy could have been playing this weekend for something that counted, right? And at one point, it almost felt that way whenever San Jose went up one nothing on Dallas at home. So we were watching those games to sort of see. Now, unfortunately for everybody, uh, Real Salt Lake got a red card in like the first couple minutes of that game and ended up losing, I think, two to nothing or three to nothing to to Sporting Kansas City um, on that. And that also would have eliminated the LA Galaxy. But we had to wait. And as we got done with the game, uh, watching the LA Galaxy, we had to wait. And then I flipped over whenever I was waiting for the press conference, Kevin, to watch the Dallas and San Jose scores to sort of see if that changed anything. And, and, and would San Jose have scored late in that game? Then the LA Galaxy would have been alive until that sporting Kansas city game, which was already two nothing. And you know, there was no coming back from that against RSL, but you would have had to wait for that to eventually eliminate the LA galaxy. So, you know, as much as we, we build it as a must win. And because there were conditions in there that the galaxy, if they won would, would have survived to this weekend. Right. And so you would have been able to play another game to at least survive to the weekend because that was there. It was one of those where there were certain scenarios that if the galaxy lost, they could have stayed in. Um, so it was, it was one of those where you have to watch the conditions of everything that happened. Bottom line though, the LA galaxy blown out of the water five to two, um, trying to chase their tails around stuff, transition defense, non-existent for most of the game. And then, uh, the galaxy did something they love to do, Kevin, which is give up the first goal. Uh, and they've done that a tremendous amount of times this year. Tremendous and, amount of times. What, what's their record when they do that? Not, not good, I guess. <laughs> uh, let's pull it up. It is uh, the Galaxy are 0-12 and 6 whenever they allow the first goal. They've allowed the first goal in 18 of 32 games right now. So 18 of 32 games they've allowed the first goal. They have never once come back to win a game when they've given up the first goal. Well, oh. and, and let's and, and let's be honest too. I mean, we've been talking about this playoff scenario. Do they have a chance? Yes, mathematically they can do this, that, and the other thing. The Galaxy, because of injuries and just the the long climb to sort of get out of 13th place, which they never did. Um, 
you know, the, their last five games, they, or the last six games, they give up 20 goals. They gave up 61 goals this season. It's the worst in MLS. And a third of those goals came in the last six games. I was going to say, you know, if four, you, you go back and you, and you can look at it, so the four goals, three goals, three goals, three goals. The only game where they didn't give up more than uh, three goals or three goals or more was the, ga- the game against Seattle where they gave up two. Right. And then they gave up five against Minnesota. Yeah, it's tremendous. If you look on the chart and we have it up here, I've high anytime they give up three goals or more, I highlight it in red. Right. And so you can see the time there was a nice gap in the middle of the season where the L.A. Galaxy were giving up one, two, but they weren't scoring any goals. Right. And we had talked, I think, Kevin, about the offense and sort of where the offense sits and how the offense has to score more goals. An incredible thing has sort of happened down this stretch which is that the LA Galaxy offense is basically on par with last year's offense. They've scored so many goals down the stretch that they're now, and they were you know, 15, 20 goals behind everything. If you go and look at, at, their, uh, at their goals right now, um, and we can sort of take a look at it over the years, but right now they're projected to score 51 goals this season and give up 60, about 65 goals, right? Um, the record is 67 six, that was 2017. Yeah. The only thing I would say that is if you look at 2020, which only had 22 games, I think they were on pace yeah. to give up 72 goals or 71, 71.1 goals. Right. So um, that's sort of if you throw that into there as well. 2020 was a disastrous year. And I, I think it gets obviously uh, sort of excused because of covid. But that's sort of what it is. The 51 goals, though, Kevin, if you look in 2021, they scored 50 goals. Right. So if the Galaxy got up to 51, they would be right around where where Greg Vandy started whenever they they came in. So 50 goals, 58 goals they scored in 2022, uh, projected to be 51 goals right now. Um, And then the 64, 65 goals, basically, that they're projected to give up this year. And if we're talking about projections and and where they sit, and I know you didn't want to get in a long discussion about this, but I just want to, I did this research, so heck, I'm going to use it. They're at eight wins right now with two games to go. Eight wins matches the lowest in a non-COVID season. Oh, they did that twice, 2017, the last time. Um, right now, they're at 1.09 points per game. They have to win one of their last two games. If they have two draws, they're still going to be below 1.10. So that would be the third worst of all time. 2017 and 2020 were worse. Uh, and now they've missed the playoffs four times in six years. They've never done that before. Here you go. I got. I found the points per game. I didn't know you were going to talk about it, but I brought up the chart, right? So right now, the LA Galaxy at 1.09 points per game, right? Uh, the lowest they ever finished with was 1.0 in 2020, 0.94 in 2017. We talked about that being the worst year. Uh, but currently right now, those are the ones that are below the LA Galaxy, right? So uh, the, the 0.94 in 2017, I mean, like you said, 2020, you have to sort of throw that out a little bit with how COVID was and everything that was going on. But if you look at that, the 1.09 is a, is an atrocious, atrocious. Yeah, and they and they have to get to get to get beyond beyond 1.10. They need to win in the last two games. Two draws not going to do it. Okay, so they need to win, and they're going up against RSL, who's in a playoff fight and everything that they sort of have, and for positioning and all that fun stuff. And then Dallas, who's who's hanging by a thread, right? So they're they're right there as well. There's going to be two really difficult games. And I don't know. It feels like whenever you give that much effort through through the stretch, and uh, if we go back to the game a little bit, I'll say that I thought that uh, that this team was tired, that they didn't have the players that they needed. There was there was nothing left of this team whenever uh, whenever they sort of went into that second half in Minnesota. Um, and and realistically, I, you know, I I don't know. Again, missing Delgado, missing Zavaleta, um, just from those making missing push, just for the guys for recent injuries, right? Um, so the midfield and the transition defense 
it, you know, it's the same story that we've seen throughout the years. And it's one that Vanny harps on, but it doesn't get fixed, which is that transition defense. And can you look at this team down the stretch when you didn't have Delgado, when you don't have Brugman, when you don't have Pooch? So you really don't have the midfield that you were sort of expecting to have. Um, and, and you look at the transition defense and you talked about all those goals they gave up. I mean, this is to me is, is the, is that right there? Um, whenever I pull up this chart and I look at where all those goals came late in, you know, I see the injury to Caligari in there. I see Puj not playing. I see Delgado, not, I see Delgado not playing quite honestly. Zavaleta may have hurt this, this team as well, not being able to go. Cause I'm not sure Alfaro was, was much better. Um, and so, there's just all these things that stack up against this team. And bottom line is, no matter what it says, and, and we'll go with the Sasha question way of measuring success, right? Go by the standings, Kevin. Uh, he, Sasha believes that the standings indicate where you are, right? As in, if you finish there, that's where you deserve to be. Uh, the Galaxy going to finish 13th in the, in the Western Conference, where they have been for most of the season. Maybe that's the correct answer. Well, it- Going into the season, it seemed, you know, for an ambitious club like the Galaxy, it looked like they had a pretty good roster. You know, they haven't really competed for a supporter shield in a decade now. They haven't, you know, even if they got to the playoffs, they got to the playoffs twice since 2017, since Bruce left. You never had the feeling that they were going to go places. You, it, There was one of those things where if they caught fire, they could do some damage. But you didn't look at that and said, yeah, this is a championship team. I, we haven't felt that since like 2015, 2014. Um, but this year, it is a big club. It does have a big payroll. It did have some good players. And he said nine out of 14 teams are going to make the playoffs. I mean, that would seem like a safe bet. And as you said, they're still in 13th. They've been there since since May. It, it almost – they can finish, I think, as high as 10th or 11th. Right. But it feels like – 13th is where – just let them yeah, be 13th. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where they should – like, like like Sasha said, the standings tell you where you belong. Yeah. Um, and, and just one more point on that is is – I know that Greg talked about, look, we're going to put in the full effort in these last two games. We want to go out with feeling good about ourselves. Um, another thing about those two games is they're playing two playoff contenders. Right. If you're out of it, you can make your season by by sending someone else home early too. I do think I, – I don't know how much that motivates a team it's to tough, deny right? somebody yeah. else a playoff position, but it would be something, and, and, and we'll see how the players react to that. It's that's the part that is is so complex, right? Whenever you get into it, it's it's like, what do you expect from Minnesota whenever they fire their coach before that? Did you expect a bump? Right. Because it can go one of both ways. We've talked about this many times and even especially the first game. Do you expect the new manager bump? Because I'll tell you, Minnesota was not punished because the Galaxy had very little of a midfield presence, right? They didn't have a Ricky Pooj. You had a Reynoso who was able to sort of run wherever he needed to run and go wherever he needed to go. I think he had two assists on the nice. Uh, you had Pookie who was who was coming in and, you know, four goals and, and good on him, um, but really was running through a, a central defense and a central midfield that wasn't marking him and couldn't keep up with him, right? So it was a mismatch to begin with. And now if you let the LA Galaxy chase the game, they're, they're going to push too high and, and be able to um, allow too many guys in behind them. So the Pookie thing is, is as you expect, for as far as I'm concerned, right? But you look at this team and they didn't have the horses down the stretch. And listen, there's, you know, six, I think five season ending injuries, plus all the injuries for guys that we just mentioned with Pooj, with uh, Delgado, with Zavaleta, with Mavinga, right? All these things that sort of add up. In fact, Alex Ruiz put out a tweet today. He says this galaxy, this galaxy season had, and then he lists them, a supporter boycott, one of the worst starts in franchise history, club president fired, Season opener moved, largest attendance game for an MLS game, game postponed due to a hurricane, and five seizing, seizing, season-ending injuries to starters. 
when you go back and look at it, we were living it this year. This year always felt a little insane. And I think uh, somebody, by the way, Philip gave us a $2 super chat that says red card for uh, Douglas, not Doug Costa coming uh. up, right? Like he's like, ah, I don't need to be here, the whole deal. But, you know, we talk about the beginning of the season. I think that, that Alex points it out, you know, one of the worst starts in franchise history. Just the chaos that was involved in that. But Kevin, I don't, we, you and I had discussions. I told you that I was ready to quit this year. This was the year I was ready to be done because we were doing our jobs as we're supposed to be, which is sort of being commentators and looking at what is happening and reporting stuff that we know and using what we know to come up with informed opinions and, and, and ideas of how things happen or why things happen um, and giving that to people. And we went against an organization that was very much in the let's circle the wagons and protect Chris Klein when we all saw the writing on the wall fairly clearly that Chris Klein wasn't going to survive this year um, and why he was even brought back is still the most giant mystery in the history of mysteries, right? Because there was a chance to break clean from a guy who was basically pinned with the cheating scandal. You can say it was Dennis DeCloso. You can say it was Guillermo Barrescoloto. You can say those things all you want. The bottom line is the guy who got punished for it the most was LA Galaxy president Chris Klein. So he was pinned on a cheating scandal and they brought him back to start that. And the LA Galaxy's outward reach on this was to go and attack every little thing that was said um, that, you know, basically we weren't allowed to have opinions um, that we could only talk about facts. And then our facts were always wrong. I was ready to call it a day because that's not what I ever signed up for. Whenever I did this, you have a job, you have to do this. I do this for fun and it stopped being fun this year. Um, I'll well, say, I, yeah, yeah go I know I got hammered a lot at the beginning of the season yep. for stuff that was like, Hey, what is Tyler Boyd on the team? Because yeah. he's practicing yep. and playing, and, and oh, how you know we haven't announced he's on the team yet. So, well, just how can I do my job if you don't tell me? You know, I go back to even back to is Chris, was Chris Klein resigned as president? Do, do you remember that? That's that. that's this also a year ago. Basically, we get into the off season and we start talking about is Chris Klein coming back? Is there a whole thing? A cheating scandal is announced in the off season, right? All these things that led up to that's what we were doing almost a year ago. We were talking about that. You were in a full on email pushing match with the L.A. Galaxy to find out whether or not Chris Klein had a freaking contract. That's where we started this year. That's how dysfunctional everything was this year. And I think most of the fans get insulated from that. It's not something I wanted to talk about whenever it was going on. Um, but the bottom line was that we were all under attack and reporters didn't do anything wrong. All right. That was not the case. That was not how this was supposed to go. And that's unfair to be able to push that burden on them. But that's the organization that was from day one was that well, they I'll, wanted I'll, to come I'll, after us. I'll go back to the story I've told you a number of times when the Galaxy were winning. And remember, Chris Klein was signed, started his term as president in 2013. They wanted to support a shield under Chris Klein. They made the playoffs three times under Chris Klein. But when he started, I remember him coming up to me and saying, I really like the, the stuff you write about us. Sometimes you're critical, but we really need that. Um, you know, so many other people just are positive and we need the criticism. And thank you for, for doing that. When they started to go bad, Chris Klein was like, you are so unfair. Then the galaxy as a whole, you are so unfair. You're hammering us. There's nothing positive in anything you write. And it's like, Chris, it's the same stuff that I've wrote, wrote before. But when you were winning, the difference is when you were winning – it was good. When you're losing, they want to circle the wagons and not talk. And I think that salary uh, thing that we put up earlier, again, not saying it's one guy, it's Chris Klein or anything, but you know, you look at four of the top five spending teams did not make the playoffs. 
Toronto's going to get the wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. They're the, the the best spending team. You look at the bottom, all the teams at the bottom, uh, you know, uh, second in the Sporter Shield, Orlando, they're fourth from the bottom. St. Louis is going to win the West. They're second from the bottom. You know, a front office that's functioning and doing its job, you can win in this league if if you if you make the right decisions and do the right things. If you're just throwing money at a problem like the teams at the top, it doesn't work out so well. So, yeah, a, a good front office. Clear, I mean, anyone who doubted that can look at this chart and see that. And by the way, you talked about Minnesota and their and their coach. Nine teams this year have made coaching changes. Right. Um. Uh, and Minnesota being the the most recent. And of those teams. Inter-Miami is out of the playoffs. Toronto's out of the playoffs. Colorado is out of the playoffs. D.C. now is out of the playoffs, right. although mathematically they're still ninth right in, in the East. So five of the four, uh, five of the nine teams that changed coaches, they're still in contention or have already clinched the playoff berth. So with some teams like Portland and now maybe Minnesota, um, you know, maybe it maybe it can make a difference. Yeah, and, and listen, it's always our intention. Let me be very clear. It's always our intention, and Kevin, you and I talk about this all the time, is to be as accurate as we can with things. And fair. And, and fair. fair. That's the part people don't understand. You, you know, I know fans pretend like they would cuss Vanny out to his face, and it's like, no, that's not how we do things, and that's not fair. We will be fair. I will ask you a question, and you get to answer it. It's not going to be an unfair question. We've never asked an unfair question in the 15 years that we've been on here. We like to have fun with people, and that's fine. But whenever it comes to being serious, if Greg Vanny came on right now, we'd very clearly ask him, hey, do you have a contract for next year, or are you coming back? What changes do you think need to be made to the team? Are you still the best guy for this team? Those are perfectly fair questions that we've all asked over those years, right? And so... Those are things that you can ask and do. But, you know, I know there's some people who are like, you didn't you didn't call him the call him a, a, a bad word whenever he was talking to you. Can well, you believe it? We know the galaxy are listening. So let's just put it out there. If Greg Vanny wants to come on. We'll ask him those that, questions and he can. That's open to everybody, by the way. Anybody wants to come on and talk. We are here. Right. And that's how that's how it works. But, yeah, I know I planned on reaching out to Greg whenever the season was over anyway. Right. It was one of those things. So but um, the, the fairness, I think, is really, really important. And I try to always hang on to that as a journalist. If I had the answers, I wouldn't be talking about Greg Vanny. I would be Greg Vanny. I'd be the coach. I don't know the answers, and that's why I'm not the general manager or the coach. But I can point out things that I see from my perspective. I just yep. really need to be fair. That doesn't mean sometimes you can't have a little fun with it. Sometimes you can't be a little, uh, you know, a little saucy, a little sarcastic. That makes it interesting. But are you fair? Oh. You know, that's th- these people do this for a life. This yep. is how they feed their family. Yep. No, you and I think it's only fair that you. Uh, but the other thing that I think people don't often get is that you use this, I use this. I know of two other guys, Damien and Scott will use this as well. When you ask the wrong question on purpose because you know that that you want to act like the idiot and let them be the smart person that sort of explains things because sometimes you get more out of that, right? So you can ask a question and you're like, like, well, I mean, clearly Chris Mavinga is never playing again, right? And it's like the whole thing. And it's like, well, no, I mean, we really love Chris. And it's like, yeah, I know. That's what I wanted you to say. That's what I wanted to hear. Tell me about it. You know, give it to me, that type of thing. So there's all sorts of different things that you can do. But what I'm saying is that at the beginning of this year, I was ready to suck. Uh, or I was ready to suck. I read Saucy and it was like the whole deal. Everybody's going to have a fun field day with that. Somebody clip it and put it on the Internet. Do it already. Uh, but at the, at the beginning of this year, it sucked and I was ready to quit. Um, I will tell you that that has changed dramatically. Changed dramatically in the second half of the season. Right. And what do you know? 
Uh, you release all this weight from the LA Galaxy. They started winning games. Chris Klein is gone. Everybody starts playing Kumbaya again. We have somebody in Tom Braun who stops by the the uh, the press box and says hi to everybody. What a novel idea, right? And says hi. Just nice conversations. Just a hello. How are you doing? How's everything going? Good luck tonight. P- total stuff like that, right? Just makes a world of difference. We've had. Well, and when you ask for an interview, like I'd like to talk to Tyler Boyd. What do you want to ask him about? Right. And then now, now I say, I want to talk to Tyler Boyd. Okay, great. Can yeah. you come out Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, it's totally. And you get it. Everybody was put in a situation to have to circle the wagons. And as an organization, that's apparently what they did decide. Well, not only that, that decision was made. Like, it's not like everybody in the front office got to decide whether or not Chris Klein got re-signed and, and came back. Right. That was basically a one person's decision to, to make that happen. Well, two people, if you and if you count Chris Klein in that as well. Right. So they're in a situation where they probably don't like it as well. It's stressful for them. I don't blame them for that. The bottom line is that we've seen things change. We've seen the L.A. Galaxy in terms of just on the field change a little bit. Now, all the injuries certainly hurt. And if the Galaxy make that move a little bit earlier, do the, does the 2023 Galaxy make the playoffs? I don't know. In some alternate universe, they probably do. Um, but that was those were decisions that were made that were wide scaling uh, and, and wide reaching and had real effects on the team throughout that first part of it. And I think Alex's tweet sort of sums up all the things that have happened this year. And that's on top of you're looking at Greg Vanny in year number three of Kevin. What I'm told is a four year contract with possibly an option on that as well. So uh, which would I, be good since he had a five year plan. That's that's correct. So four years now plus an option. So that gives him one more year under contract and then the option, which would be that 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 fifth year. Right. But by, so. by the way, I want to say before we get too far away from it, I think I speak for you too, but I'll let you speak for yourself. I like Chris Klein as oh, a person. I have. thought Chris yeah. Klein was a great guy. He was very friendly. He, uh, I, I, I wouldn't describe him as being very open necessarily all the time. Um, I, I don't think he was a good president at the end. I think he's a great guy. Um, um, I, I liked him a lot. I, I think what happened was he needed a big personality, and that's what he had with Bruce. And when Bruce left and some of the decisions fell to, to Chris, I think it got a little dicey. And I think it was a bad situation for him. This yeah. didn't make Chris a bad person. Nope. It made him a bad president from 2017 to 2023. But I'm sure he thinks I'm a bad journalist, so that's fine. I mean, you know. <laughs> and you've been it, a bad journalist for like 20, 30 that, years. Right. So, yeah, yeah, a lot longer than that. So. Right. No, no, no. It, it, it makes sense. I know. What I feel the same. And if I saw Chris, I would go over and say hi to him. I'm not sure he'd want to say hi to me, but that, I'd still uh, attempt it because I have no there's no bad blood there. And, and that's fine. So, no, I agree. But I mean, now you get into this part. You look at that game. The Galaxy give up five goals. I mean, you know, I, I certainly think there's people who think that the Galaxy are going to react emotionally to, to Greg Vanny at this point and be like, I saw somebody tweet. They're like, with this scoreline, Greg Vanny better be, is, is probably worried that he's not going to get back on the plane. I don't think that's the case. And, and again, I will I will continue to tell you if I think that Greg is going to get fired, I will tell you that I think he's going to get fired. And that will be based on one, what I have talk to people about and two, what I expect and how the organization seems to be moving forward. And right now the organization seems to be moving forward into a position where everybody knows that this off season carries the ability to make some huge changes. Right. And so that's where everybody's focused on. Right. As soon as they get eliminated from the playoffs and even before that, uh, the galaxy were thinking about what could happen this year. Uh, it's, it's at least right now, um, you know, Will Kuntz should be back 
as well. We don't know the status of everybody's contract, right? But Will Kuntz should be back um, unless somebody comes and swoops him up as like a number one spot somewhere and he feels like that's best for him to go to, right? Um, but Will will be back. Uh, I think you're going to see Greg back. Uh, as we said, he's under contract for another year and then he has plus one on the backside of that as well for an option. The Galaxy can always choose to do that. But I mean, Greg Vanny's under pressure from the very first kick now. Um, and everybody, I think, understands that. If the Galaxy have a start like they did this year, Greg Vanny won't make it to the summer transfer window. Um, that's what I feel right now. That could change whenever we get to next season, and and I can revise that. Um, but there's another thing, and somebody, it was, <laughs> you like this, Kevin. I think you'll like this. Um, somebody put on Reddit, uh, and it was on Reddit, and the title of it was, I feel bad for Josh, right? And And they were talking about me. And it was very nice sort of sentiment with the whole thing. And I'm, I sort of responded and people were, you know, trashing me like they normally do or saying nice things about me, which I appreciate the whole deal. But it was sort of like this nice sentiment was, here's this guy who works and the galaxy go and miss the playoffs again. It's like, I enjoyed that part. It is more fun. And I maybe you'll disagree. But for me, it's more fun when a team is playing well, when you get to talk to the guys who are playing well, when they're in the hunt for something, when they believe that they have a chance to win a trophy. I've been in those locker rooms. I've been around those guys. I know the magic that sort of is engulfed. There is a fairy tale of things that happens whenever a team wins a championship. It is just to observe it and be in its general presence is an honor and something that you realize now, especially being years uh, separated from the last one in 2014, it is something that you realize is as fleeting as a match strike, right? You strike a match and it blows out. That's all the time that you have to be a champion. It's this finite little tiny thing, but it is the ultimate in what sports competition is. And to watch guys go through that all year to battle day in, day out, to come in and take the lumps, to to adjust, to find ways to win and succeed and beat other teams that are all trying to beat them. And whenever you get into, you know, an MLS Cup, you're talking about two teams that want something more than anything else in the world uh, to be anywhere near that. Uh, you're lucky and fortunate to even observe that, whether that's from the stands or even behind the scenes. Um, but it's it's a magical thing. And we have well, not well, seen that from the Galaxy. Well, my first year as a beat writer um, was 2003 when I covered the Marlins and they won the World Series. And that was that was a lot of fun. Then I covered a lot of Angel teams that were playoff teams. They won a lot of games, and I covered the Galaxy winning three MLS Cups uh, and saw LAFC win an MLS Cup and Supporter Shield. It is a lot of fun. The locker room is a place where everybody's in a good mood. Um, people don't react to, to questions that they, you know, normally you ask a question, and, and maybe if they're in a bad mood, they react, and it's a dumb question. There's no dumb questions for winning teams. Everybody's in a good mood. Everyone's happy. Right. The other part is you got to watch the games. Yep. And if you're watching a team that is not playing well, it can be horribly painful. <laughs> See, 2017, team, 2017 yeah, was that exactly, year, right? 2020, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was in – I was in uh, Florida for that game against LAFC. What was it, six to one or six, six to, two? Something like six two. Yeah, I saw that game. That was horrible. When the team's winning, every pass goes right where it's supposed to go. Every shot makes finds the back of the net. Every goalkeeper pitches shutouts. It's really fun to watch. The, I, I'd say converse. And so, I don't ever cheer for a team to win. I cheer for the story. But I will say that it's much more fun. I mean, I, I want a good story, but it's much more fun to be around a team that's winning right. because everybody's in a good mood. Conversely, I'd say. If a team is not, not going to win, they better be horse crap because a team that is horrible, players go into the game without expectations. They've already sort of given up. So um, there, there's, again, the locker room is not happy, but it's not tense. Right. A team that's fighting to get in that playoff berth, there's a lot of tension and people want to play. And, and what do you mean by that question? Because everyone's on edge. So either win everything 
or be a wooden spoon team. <laughs> right. The teams in the middle are the ones that are really hard to cover, I think. No, there is. And and I always find it's funny that like reporters are very good at matching the mood, right? Like if the Galaxy just won a big game and there's no pressure and everything's good, like in the press conference, it's a lot lighter. You can joke around a little bit. You can have fun. They lose the game, especially like if they get punched in the gut at, the, at, at stoppage time. Like whenever I was talking to Greg and those guys in Seattle after the game, there's some mood. I'm not this. I'm not this animated whenever. Hey, Greg, tell me about the game. You know, like that's not how you ask the question. It's like, hey, you know, tell me about the game. And, you know, obviously I have to feel like you guys got punched in the gut there. You know, what is what did you tell the team? You know, those types of things. The other thing I wanted to bring up of that Reddit thing, one very nice of, of the people to write that. But I said, I, I'll, I'll somehow survive like I always have. Um, and I and then I went on and told them about the positive thing. It's way more fun to cover a team whenever whenever they win right and, and that type of thing so everybody i always hope for that sort of that excitement and that level of of interaction because it's the best level of interaction people want to come on podcasts um but the other part was that somebody was critical of this and they didn't say it in a nice way but i'll say it in a nice way which is they found it really weird that i always talk about how much the players love greg vanny right and like it's some sort of propaganda thing that greg vanny tells me um, and there's a reason that I do that, Kevin. And the big reason that I tell you that one is because it's true that I'm told that by players and that I talk to players about it. And they're like, no, we like this guy because what's the biggest sign that a coach is gone is whenever they lose a team. Right. And so if you have guys who don't like playing for a guy, that's that's one of the quickest exits you're going to make. Right. We, and we saw it with Guillermo Barrescoloto. We saw it with, um, you know, a lot of the coaches down the way, even Siggy, um, you know, is that eventually got to the point where it felt like they're no longer listening. They're no longer reacting. They don't like playing for him and they don't want to fight for him. Right. And so when you get to those things, so that's why and maybe I haven't done a good enough job explaining that. That's why I tell you what what the players think of Greg Vanny. Do I think and this person goes, I'm basically said, you know, oh, I'm sure the players love losing. It's like it's not always about that if they think they have a chance to win with greg they'll be behind him and they'll want to fight for him and they'll enjoy him as a coach um and so no i don't think they enjoy losing i don't think they enjoy missing the playoffs i think if you saw any of the posts from players after this game i think a lot of them are very devastated maybe the most so is maya yoshida who is a new guy there but uh, the level of respect that he has for football, for the game, for the L.A. Galaxy, uh, for his teammates already is so deep and so wide that you can sort of understand why he would take the loss maybe maybe the, the most in, in sort of emotional way. So, Well, go back, going back to what you were talking about, the locker rooms and stuff, uh, one thing in Sports Writing 101 is do not ever, ever laugh or smile in a losing locker room, ever. No, we didn't lose the game. We Maybe I'm going to a birthday party and I'm in a good mood. Right. No, you got to be oh, so in a really quiet, can't yep. sit, can't talk very loud, and it, certainly you can't laugh. Um, the players do like Greg Vanny, and here's a big surprise for, the, for some of those people who are haters with the U.S. Uh, national team. I can tell you to a man with maybe one possible exception – Players on the U.S. men's national team love Greg Berhalter. They will run through a wall for him, and that's why he's back. You may not like him. You may disagree with what he does. I know he's a lightning rod of a figure, but the players love him, and that's why he's back. And the players love Greg Vanny. And now let's say you're part of that group that says Vanny's got to go. You can certainly make that argument. If you look at that, they've made the, the playoffs once since he's been here. Uh, you can argue that they're, they're actually not progressing. They're regressing. When right. you look at the records, right. injuries and other things, yep. you got to factor that in. But if you look just at the numbers, 61 goals allowed, two more games to go, you can make an argument that he needs to be replaced. Okay, second part of that question is who do you bring in? Yep. I think there's only one guy who if, if he 
was in Los Angeles right now that I might say, yes, that's a guy that I would hire, Jesse Marsh. I was going to say Jesse Marsh. Okay. Uh, oh. And and then there's another couple that you could talk about. I think Dominic Kinnear right. might be a guy. Perhaps I, 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 you know, people talk about Phil Neville. I don't think no. so. I don't think he he was successful in Miami. I don't think he gets MLS. People, but if people Jesse were Marsh, saying Adrian Heath, by the way, somebody said, oh well, Adrian Heath just got fired from Minnesota and they made the playoffs. I think two of their last three years, right? So. Um, it was one of those. It's like, and they have a chance still to make the playoffs this year as well. Um, but that he got fired, so people were saying that. But I, I agree with you. I don't think that's the right fit. And also, you have to understand if you hire somebody like Jesse Marsh, who's a world builder, right? He's not just a team builder; he's a world builder. This is a guy who's going to build every build everything to his liking. He's all the analytics, all the things are all going to be to his liking. That you're talking about a drastic style change. You're talking about a complete rebuild of all the infrastructure that the Galaxy have sort of finally put in place. And Kevin. Let's reiterate this. You and I have talked with almost every coach that has been here and every single one after this is post Bruce, right? After every single one talked about the lack of infrastructure, the lack of scouting, the lack of everything that Greg Vanny has been putting in place. So if you wanted to do something with Jesse Marsh, you could. You're just going to rebuild from square one and not the square one that everybody thinks. It's not just, oh, we'll just bring Jesse Marsh in and he'll just give him a clean slate. No, there's players on this roster already. Do they fit Jesse Marsh's style? No, they don't. So how are you going to do that? So there's going to be lots of trades, lots of things. You're talking about complete revamp. The Galaxy have played this game how many times? Uh, since Bruce left, right? So you had uh, you had Anolfo, uh, you had Kinnear in there. Going to go young. Remember, yep. we're going to go young. Yep. Academy. Yep, yep, exactly. Ziggy. Ziggy. We sign, uh, you know, the team signs Dos Santos the day Ziggy starts. So now all of a sudden we're not going to the Academy. We're bringing in play, players from Spain. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no. So I mean, that's that's you. We've seen this Guillermo Barrascoloto, right, and all the stuff that he wanted to do and how they wanted to play. And hey, scored a lot of goals. Didn't you know? Also ran so much that they were exhausted by the end of the season um, and couldn't go. And this year, quite honestly, the Galaxy ran out of gas because they've been playing from behind from so much of this season. So um, all that stuff matters and racks up. I'm just saying that it's always the next step. And I think you're correct. What's the next step? How does it work? Right. Well, so. one player who I won't name because I'll get him in trouble, but he, he played on, on GBS's teams and said, GBS during games, and not necessarily during trainings, but during games, especially if the galaxy were behind, he just got a complete deer in the headlights. Look in his eyes, had no idea what to do. And would just scream, Corday, Corday, run, run at his players. That was his advice. That's the best he could come up with. Right. Clearly he was not, uh, he was overmatched. Do you, do we want to get into our foundational discussion now? Yeah. Or do you want to? Yeah, I think we should. There's one question though, and Alan asks it. Uh, he goes, so we just let this fester, right? So you just let Greg Vanny have another year. Here's why that's not a horrible decision, and why it's one I expect the LA Galaxy to take because you're looking at the progression of all the infrastructure that you had. You're looking at the transfers that the Galaxy have made recently that maybe have fit sort of the style or or the types of guys they want. You look at the fact that it's probably unlikely. Um, and this is one of the questions I definitely want to ask with all the injuries. Are, are you worried about sports science? And will you be looking at that? Right. And there's also some evidence. And certainly uh, I know some athletic trainers who are not associated with the L.A. Galaxy who would say, listen, some of the most of these injuries that you had were freak in nature. Like there's stuff that happened this year that shouldn't have happened all at once. And it did. Uh, Greg Vanny even alluded to it afterwards um, uh, after the game. I don't know if it was this game or before. He said I had one like ACL injury in all my time with Toronto. And this year I had like three. Right. And he goes, that's just that he goes. And yes, you would look at sports science. But again, Chicharito's injury is 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 about reaching too far. Right. Like is going too far. He tried to reach for a ball too far and you could see when it popped. You know, uh, Caceres got got kicked in the knee and shattered his kneecap. Right. I like, think Caligari was a non-contact injury. Just went down and, and, and he went yeah. down. And, 
you know, you can't sort of, I, the, at least some of the trainers I spoke to says not necessarily overuse or, or, you know, a fatigue injury, even Jalen Neal is so young that that type of injury is more prevalent in younger players as they're developing, as they're playing a lot of minutes that was, you know, he played with the youth national team as well. So it's, he had a lot of minutes. It wasn't Greg Vanny overworking him, right? It was, it was those types of things. So, but they had leagues cup, they had us open cup, the galaxy, arguably, I haven't done the math on this yet, but it's been true of almost every other MLS team. Galaxy played more games in a shorter period than they ever have in the franchise history. And, and they had a short roster for most of the year. Right. I think Greg Vanny would not make this argument. Greg Vanny would not, would not say what I'm about to say. Right. Um, Greg Vanny would say, the results are the results, and I didn't get it done. That's what Greg Vanny would say. What I'm going to say is he's been here three years. The first year he made the playoffs mm-hmm. – or first year he almost made the playoffs. Right. It was a freak penalty they, call. They should have made, yeah, they should have made the playoffs. They should have made didn't. the playoffs. They were, they, were they going to win? Were they going to win? No. no. But they should have made the playoffs. That right. would have been a successful season. Second year, um, they did make the playoffs. They won their playoff opener, then they lost to, to LAFC. So that's a successful season. They made the playoffs. That was the goal. Uh, third season, you had the whole Chris Klein debacle. You had the supporters boycott, which I'm not saying the supporters were, right, were wrong. I'm saying the supporters are right, but that was a distraction. And we know that Greg did not handle that well. The players did not handle that well. Correct. Um, that was a problem. Then it was followed by the injuries. And then all of a sudden you get Will Koontz in the middle who does magic. Now I think if you're if you're fair, if you're sitting back and saying, Greg has done some good things. Now he's got a guy to pair with him. He's... Greg had revamped the scouting department. Right. He's, he's got that working now. He, um, he's got the academy working better. I don't think it's where he wants it to be. You know, they just let Marcelo Sarvis go. They're working with the development side. That's not where he wants it to be yet. But again, it's that foundational piece that he's starting to build. And I think the combination with, with Greg Vanny and Will Kuntz is going to be really good. And I think, again, one, there's nobody out there that's better. One guy, maybe Jesse Marsh, who, who night and day you can say – okay, that would be a guy that I might want to put in there. Part of the thing with firing a coach is do you have somebody to replace him? And if you don't, then stay with stay with what you have unless there are problems in the, in the clubhouse and there is not problems in the locker room. Not that we've this seen. Team. Not, we'll see. We'll see. But, now is sort of the time. If we were going to find out that people didn't like Greg Vanny, now is the time, right, Kevin? Because season's, got, season's over now. We would start hearing those rumblings. And whenever people are unhappy, we usually end up hearing about it, right? I mean, when people are happy, we have to like, you know, pull teeth to get, you know, stuff that is going on, stuff is going on. But we would hear about that now. Um, you would hear about it if things, when things were going bad. Remember, we talked about sort of the formation change and like the stuff at the beginning where Greg was playing two forwards and sort of acquiescing to what the players wanted. And there was some arguments there about whether or not, you know, that was the correct formation to play in Th- those types of things. We heard about that. We knew that was there. Greg, ba- ba- Greg basically, you know, uh, uh, talked about those things whenever they're happening, happening, but ultimately it fell to the fact that they didn't have two strikers anymore and didn't have to worry about Chicharito and Jovalich playing together. Right. And, and so, um, but now would be the time if we heard that. Sorry. Yeah, if there's any players out there that would like to let us know privately, we'll keep your confidence. And we'd like to know if we're, uh, you know, that the chances of us being wrong at 50-50, right? If we're wrong, let us know so we don't you know, continue to to make these errors and inform the fans incorrectly. But my, I, I do have a beef with Greg. And the beef is when he came in, he talked about a three-year plan. I think it became a five-year plan. I'm not sure how many years the plan is. But the first year, if you remember, he brought in Koulibaly, Grancier, Ravellison, Cabral, the, the French connection, all those guys signed five-year contracts. I think Cabral's was, uh, Cabral's was five years. They're all multi-year contracts. What Greg said at the time is, and he was right, the culture of the galaxy is not is no longer there. We need to rebuild the culture. The best way to do that, 
bring in foundational pieces. A bond came in with that group. Put those guys together. Have them there for a long time, uh, and then we will build the culture with them. None of those four players are here anymore. They're gone. Um, so then we decided uh, the Galaxy decided they were going to build a culture in a different way. One of the things they did is they signed, and uh, you have some different feelings on this. Oh, but oh I have different feelings on your first yeah. part too. I'm just letting you talk. I like to see you they, dig the hole before I bury you in it. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, continue. Then, then they signed Araujo and and and, Efrain and Alvarez to four-year extensions, and they were going to be part of this foundation. Now, the, Dennis DeClosa did that. The good part of that was they locked those guys up. It was two-part. If they stuck around, I think Dennis actually told me this, if they stuck around, they were going to be valuable pieces. If they didn't stick around, the Galaxy were going to get a lot of money for them, and they apparently did when they left. But again, the idea of we're building a foundation, we're putting these guys together, these are pieces that we want to sign long-term and keep around, all those guys are gone. And now you look at the team that Contracts are expiring. We don't know. I don't know personally about extensions for all these guys or options rather. But contracts are expiring for 15 players. The players you have coming back, you have Yoshida who's 35, Mavinga who's 32, Brugman's 31, Fagundes and Boyd are 28, Sharp is 37. He needs to sign an option. Yep. Um, and that is not the foundation that Greg talked about. These are not guys that are going to be together long term. Yeah, they could win an MLS Cup next year, but that's not what Greg was talking about with his three- to five-year plan. My understanding is he was talking about rebuilding the culture going forward, that there would be a foundation for the Galaxy to rely on through good times and bad, which they don't have right now and they did have before. So I just don't see this three, five, one-year plan. I see the year, the plan changing every year. Which it has to. See, this is where this is where I think you're totally off base. If you think you can put a plan together and you hold a team together for five years, you can't. Not an MLS, never been done, right? Bruce used to have the problem every year, would turn over players like crazy every year to try and refill and retool and move guys around and find the find but, the but veteran the and bring the supplements. the foundation was there. Keen so, was there every so year. Omar was there every You just year. decided AD not to listen to the foundation. You just threw all the guys out you thought were the foundation because they came first and of all those French players three of them Cabral they got rid of because he didn't perform so they should have kept Kevin Cabral because he was the foundation no you no, have just yeah it, again let's put this in perspective and everybody likes to forget this part Greg Vanny was making those decisions without a scouting department because the LA Galaxy didn't have one and he was coming off of a year where COVID was involved where players weren't playing and it was difficult to see guys play did he make an error on Cabral 100% right you shouldn't have given him a five-year contract I don't think everybody else was on five-year contracts either I think they were on three-year contracts max Revelison was a very good player for the LA Galaxy who was here and they turned him for a profit and that worked well uh, Grant Sear would have been here this year. And one of the biggest hits in the preseason was the fact that Grant Sear didn't make it back and did not play on this team. If Grant Sear was on this team, I think the Galaxy would have had more success early. But instead, they had to work Boyd into. And remember, Boyd couldn't participate in all the stuff he was supposed to, as we alluded to before, because of the contract thing that was going on with Turkey and them trying to clear that and him eventually getting into the preseason late, later than he wanted to be. Right. So that was Cabral. That's Grant Sure. That was Sega Koulibaly left for personal reasons after he got injured and said that he didn't want to be in L.A. anymore. So they accommodated that. And I think there might have been a disagreement on how to go about fixing him and all that sort of stuff. He went back as well. So you can't really blame Grant Sure on anybody because they wanted to keep him on the rest of them. I think they make good deals to move them on. But that's how this works. Your foundation right now and this foundation you would have never seen because you wouldn't have known that Ricky Pooch was available. You would have known that that Gaston Brugman, but it's Pooch. It's Brugman right now. It's 
Neal, right? It's Aude because people think that Aude's a bust, but Aude's a young player. Aude in there. It was Caligari before he got hurt. It was Caceres, and you would argue that you can't possibly have a foundation with a guy who's 36 or 37 years old, but every team does this. You bring in the veterans to put around the... Do you remember the starting back line for the LA Galaxy whenever Caceres was brought in? It was Caligari on the outside, young player. Neal in the central defense, young player. And left was Aude, young player. And you didn't want to put another young player in there because you needed somebody who was a veteran. You have to have mixes. Just because the mix changes doesn't mean you don't have a foundation. Who are the foundation players? Puj, Brugman, Delgado, right? Bond is, and people will, I, I love the fact that somebody just threw their phone across the room whenever I said that Jonathan Bond is a foundational part of this LA Galaxy. Has been second most appearances in LA Galaxy history for a goalkeeper behind Kevin Hartman, who's the goalkeeper coach. Right. So there are these teams. You just don't want to look at those guys. And you think because they brought in four guys that that has to be the foundation. And listen, Greg Vanny has to talk about this every single year. They bring guys in. They change things over. They do things. I don't care if it's not Greg Vanny. Any coach that comes in has to adjust in Major League Soccer. That's why the good ones do and the bad ones don't. Peter Vermees adjusts every single season. Yes, he has a foundation. Yes, he moves parts and pieces around. The Galaxy haven't had the infrastructure in place to be able to do that. Until now. Okay, what's their culture? What, what, what do you mean? The Galaxy had a culture under Bruce. LAFC has a culture. Philadelphia has a culture. It, does, that mean, the does, Galaxy does that mean that they win? So is, is that what you're trying to say, that they win? Is that what the culture no. is? Because I, I see a culture I, established with the LA Galaxy. They just haven't won under that culture. What culture is what not is a style culture? of that's play? What that's what I'm asking. Uh, Seattle has a culture. There's a they way do. that they do I, You're things. just naming teams that win. That's what. No, that, no they have a culture. <laughs> when you look at Seattle, they right. bring in... Players like Rui Diaz, right. they bring in no no name players that are that work hard, that are sort of uh, journeyman type players. Right. They come in and they become stars in Seattle's system. Right. Philadelphia works pr produces through the through the, their their facility, right. sells players sometimes, brings players in a lot like the, you know, certain teams in Spain, like Sevilla. They took, build through their academy took them system. almost seven or eight years under Jim Curtin. Correct. They have a, they now have but, they have something which which they build young. It's like FC Dallas. FC, let's talk about a team that's not winning. FC Dallas has a culture, right? They promote from their from their academy. They come in and they have they usually get young players from South America or Central America that come in and they sort of uh, exploit those things. What's the culture for the LA Galaxy? It's the same. It's always been. What is it? Which is? Which is high price talent, right? So you had Chicharito, you have Douglas Costa, you have guys like Ricky Puj. So you have the stars and they're backed up by by journeyman workers like Brugman, like Caceres, right? You have young guys now that they're inserting into that. That's fine as a culture. The culture for me was more that the LA Galaxy stopped thinking that they were the best team ever in the history of everything because they won five MLS Cups. Right. They kept pointing to that every time there would be a struggle, every time there was something wrong. They thought they didn't need to build, build out their infrastructure because they were so confident that they were going to be the best team out there. Right. So, I mean, by the way, people don't talk about this enough. Bruce Arena left this cupboard very bare whenever he left. Right. Because there was no system because it, Bruce's system is usually up here in how he brings players in and how he does things and how he sort of brings those guys in. high price talent, good journeyman guys behind him, some young players in there. Think Omar Gonzalez, AJ De La Garza, Sean Franklin, right? Todd Donovan, more journeyman. Eddie Lewis, more journeyman. And you can go uh, through... Alan Gordon. Alan Gordon, right? The, absolutely. So it's still there. The bottom line is that the old, the old organization under Chris Klein wanted to point to five cups every time and that that would somehow sustain them through not having a scouting department and not adjusting to everything that's going on with MLS. I think the Galaxy are better positioned for that, and I think that they have that stuff. Well, I think the cultural thing I, to me is really important because it's your North Star, and when you hit rugged times, 
you you hang on to that North Star. You follow that North Star to try to get your way out of that. I agree with you about, I think Yoshida, he, didn't he have the captain's armband this he week? He did. He's had it since he, And since he deserved it, and he, he should have it sometime next year. Yoshida is a good player, and he's very important to this team. I don't look at him as a foundational piece. I look at him, when you look at, say, LAFC, mm-hmm. there's a foundation there, and Cialini comes in, and he's not part of that foundation. Right. He's that veteran presence that gets them through tough times. It's very important for a year or two, but is not your North Star guy. I think I think Yoshida is definitely that. I think Neil is the foundation on the back line. So you, you have Caligari, Audi, Audi, Neil. Those are your foundational guys. And how you exactly. rotate around those guys is fine. You have guys like Raheem Edwards, who is a league journeyman, right? So again, you just agreed with me. The Galaxy have a foundation on defense. Now, where is that defense right now? Well, Ade hasn't caught up quite yet. And this is his first year away from home, sort of in a big league. And he has run his butt off. You could tell he's tired for this whole year. I want to watch how he develops next year. So you're sort of watching that. Caligari gets hurt. Not sure if he's coming back now because he got hurt and he was on loan, right? Neil has had the injuries the whole time. So you talk about the foundation crumbling. Yeah, it has from injuries, mostly, um, especially this year. Right. Grant sure is a foundation crumbling. Yes, I would agree. It is. Why? Because he wanted he had personal issues and he had to leave. That was the reason he left. Right. And you, we've seen too many times that players and coaches have disagreed on when guys can leave and how good, how really awesome that that looks. Right. I mean, even look at Douglas Costa. You can say what you want about Doug. Um, we were talking about him in the preseason. He was injured. Right. We didn't even know if he was going to show up for the preseason. He was going out and auditioning for any team in Brazil that would want him. And it seemed and even led me to ask Greg Vanny the question about Douglas Costa. Is he coming back? Right. So do you want to talk about a good coaching job that Greg Vanny did? Douglas Costa has meant something this season. And whether that's Doug who decided to finally show up or whether Greg Vanny was able to get him through that. Right. That's a foundational piece that should have been here for the last two, two and a half years. Right. And he didn't show up. Now, was it a bad choice? Yeah, it was a bad choice. I don't I, I certainly think that right with all the injuries that he had and all the stuff. But look at the performance that he pulled down. You can't say Douglas Costa didn't care when he was coming down the stretch this year. And I think that's one of those guys from my conversation with Greg that Greg didn't necessarily want. He wanted Pavone for that spot. And they, they got Costa. We can talk about that all we want. But I don't think Greg looked at him as being a foundational piece. Two other guys I would throw out there that I think could be foundational pieces mm-hmm. for three or four years because I see them as being guys who will do what they're told, who are valuable, who have talent and experience, and put their ego aside. I, I like Boyd and Fagundes. They're both 28. I think those are guys that could be real important foundational pieces. But when you look at this team now, everyone talks about the spine, right? You go up the spine. Ricky Pooj, central midfield, right? Then behind him, you have Neil, and you have, as you said, if Cost- if uh, um, uh, Out- you know, Audi will be back, if Caligari comes back, you have the, the midfielder, you have um, the back line. Um, you know, if Delgado comes in and plays at this defensive midfielder, Brugman, Bond and goal, the one place you're missing is up front. I think Billy yes. Sharp, if he comes back, and that's not a guarantee, if he comes back, he'll be 38. He could score 15, 18, 20 goals. But at 38, I don't think he's he's the long he, – he's not going to be around – for most of Ricky Pooja's career. He's not going to be around for most of well, Fagundi's career. But he's career not supposed galaxy. to be. What are you thinking? Well, that's what I mean. You have to fill that spot. Is that what you do in the offseason? Is that the spot that you go after? Do you say, we need someone who's going to be here for a few years? Or do you say, Billy Sharp's going to get us through this year. Let's hire, let, let's let's sign, uh, you know, somebody else that we don't need to worry about forward right now. We'll get to that next year. I just, that- just want to be clear about the question that you're asking. You're asking the LA galaxy, whether or not with the two designated player spots, they will have open whether or not they should go after a striker, a star striker, a DP striker. Is that the question that you're asking? Yeah. And a guy who may not play every game this year. 
Who, the, this coming season. Who? Who? Who won't play the new DP? Yeah, if, if you're gonna, if you're saying Sharp is your guy, and I'm saying maybe but, but you bring who, a guy, maybe you bring in a 22 year old guy who's gonna learn on the job. Okay, okay, which but is what you were supposed to do. But but who is saying that Sharp is the guy? I you don't think he earned a shot at least to fight for the starting job next year? No, he's a journeyman guy who got brought in as a stopgap measure. Now, do I think he's valuable in so many ways? Absolutely. Do you have somebody off the bench? Does it give you a chance to move Yovelich if you want to move Yovelich? Yes, it does. Right. So you are able to do that. By the way, I don't think Yovelich is going anywhere. Right. I think he stays. I think that you're going to see Billy Sharp sort of play the backup to the backup role that in case of injury, break glass, Billy Sharp. Nobody well, in their and, right and, mind and we, is thinking that Billy Sharp is the starter. And if he is the starter on opening day for next year, then something really happened that went sideways. And we don't even know if Billy Sharp's coming back. He's out of contract. He has an option um, and he can decline. My understanding is he can can decline that option, right? I don't I mean, know. It's, it's a club, club option. option. It's a club option. He can't so he has it. to come back yeah. because I think he played well enough that if he wanted to go back to England, play in the championship or even league one, but that was too complicated well for him, right? That was too complicated. That's what he said was he didn't want to play with anybody really if it wasn't Sheffield. Right. And that was sort of the idea. That's why the LA galaxy were an attractive thing to him. My whole point is that you're allowed to have guys who come in, let's say like Yoshida, let's say like Kosaris, right? Let's say like guys like Uri Rossell, who come in and they fill a role. It's like Sasha Kleshin whenever he was here. It was like Victor Vasquez whenever he was there. You want to talk about big losses to the LA Galaxy? Victor Vasquez, Sasha Kleshin were big losses. Their leadership abilities, their abilities in the locker room, that's where Sharp comes in. That's where Yoshida comes in, right? Those guys can still be foundational in terms of they're going to be a foundation for you next year. This is going to be important. You are going to be play. If Yoshida is on this team next year, Yoshida probably starts the games, just like Kosaris did. They are the same player. They went out and got the exact same copy of the same player that they wanted, which was a guy who could play center back who's 38 years old and who comes out here. If you think I understand your argument where you're saying that the plan changes, right? And you're like, just tell me the plan and then you can just follow the plan and then everything works. But the plan always changes. You could have never suspected that you would be going out and shopping for the guys that you were shopping at the beginning of the year with all of the injuries that you have. That's how this works. You have to plug holes during the summer. You have to figure out, but what did the Galaxy say whenever they sign people this summer? We want guys either who are just going to be short-term, who are just going to come in and help us, or guys who can help us not just now, but down the road. They got guys like Cerillo, right? They got guys like uh, Fagundes. They got guys like uh, Billy Sharp, who is probably this year and probably next year, right? That type of thing. And that's all you're going to get them. Same with Yoshida this year and next year. Right. That's all you're going to get out of them. But that's OK. That's how MLS is. You need those guys at those levels. You need to work it around. People talk about this team not having any depth. And I call BS. The problem is they have seven or eight or nine guys out on injury right now, which is why you have no depth. If the starters were back, if they were in the position that they were in, then the guys who started these last games in the last three games would be on the bench and the Galaxy would have depth. Do you remember whenever uh, they made the moves and coming out of the summer transfer window, we were suddenly like, wow, look who gets to come off the bench now. Look, Fagundes is coming off the bench. That's awesome. You know, like that's how it should be. What happens instead? Fagundes has to start. Is he necessarily a starter for all, all the time? No, I don't think he is. And I think designated player wise, you're going to look for a striker and you're going to look for probably a winger of some sort. You're going to put that money on the offense and you're going to have to look at the defense and figure out how you get that to be more solid and probably in that midfield is, is really where you're looking so that's what i'm saying and, and i think a lot of the spotlight this offseason is going to be on will Kuntz, and deservedly so yes uh he did such a great job in august people are going to expect him to be a magic man this this winter and 
you know, he John Thornton gets a lot of the credit at LFC, but but Will Kuntz was there every step of the way, bringing in the guys that they brought in. So I I expect having talked to Will and and knowing how he worked at LFC, I, th- I expect we're going to see a lot of young uh, Latin American players on his radar. I mean, he brought in. Uh, you know, Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi, Golden Boot winner. He, you know, he brought in a lot of Latin American players. Uh, I would, you know, Eddie Segura, people like that. That's kind of what I expect where he's going to turn his focus. Uh, and they're probably going to have to hire some scouts down in Latin America to make that work. But you would think, uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I have confidence in Will Kuntz to be able to pull this off. And if you put Will Kuntz and Greg Vanny together for a, a full season or for a full off season, at least, um, I think there's a lot of reason to hope if you're a Galaxy fan. I have been fortunate enough to have some conversations with Will. I will tell you that I think he is uh, extremely anxious to get this like off season and start finding people and finding who's going to be available, right? Because you can plan all you want. You can have your targets that you want. And yes, you'll start those conversations and you'll do those things. But guys don't really become available until like the winter, right? You won't really know who's available until that winter. So you sort of sit there and you say, okay. This is how it's going to go. I imagine the coaching staff goes through the whole list like you and I do. We go through the roster, who we keep and who we not keep in. Where were our major flaws this year, right? So defensively, let's talk about it. Uh, you know, Vanny says it's not a backline problem. It is a backline problem up to a certain point. Um, and so I think you have to look at that. And now you have questions around Caligari. You have questions around, I think, Aude, right? It was whether or not you want to stay the course on that. I think you do. Um, you have questions about Raheem Edwards. Is Raheem Edwards back next year, right? Those types of things that you could sort of do. And just because somebody's under contract doesn't mean that they can't be traded and moved and and, and finagled for other pieces and that, those types of things. So those are the things. There is an evaluation. I believe that there's people smart enough in the room to be able to make those evaluations. I think Greg Vanny knows a lot of the reasons why the LA Galaxy were unsuccessful this year. And for whatever reason, uh, he's going to find ways to plug those gaps, right? I just... You know, this is this is what this team, if we believe and I will say that I do, if you believe that the L.A. Galaxy have made strides in the infrastructure departments, in that scouting, in the analytics in all the things that you had, then you have to go about and the Galaxy have to sit down and set up their model of what they want to do, where they were weakest and how they want to go out and attack those weaknesses. And if they do that with Will Koontz in there and, and the ability to sort of analyze themselves honestly now, um, then I think they have a chance to do it. If not, and if they make the same decisions that they've made before, Kevin, then it's the you know, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, well, expecting a different result. I think in talking about the, the, the culture, and you said it rightly that the Galaxy culture throughout history has been signing big-name players, going back to their first signing, Jorge Campos, through Chicharito, through Zlatan. I think that changes with Will Kuntz. I think Will Kuntz is going to have more of a Seattle kind of model. Mm-hmm. He's going to, and like, you know, Al Marone in, in Atlanta, starting out the way Atlanta started out. Right. I think he's going to go get a young, motivated, talented mm-hmm. Latin American player who wants to play a couple years here and move to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um and the best player available, not the biggest name available. I, right. I think that is going to change a little bit. I, I you know, if, if someone of a big name becomes available, obviously the Galaxy will be the first team that that player calls. But I don't anticipate that it being what Will Kuntz looks for. I think he looks for a young, talented player um, that fits the approach that Greg Vanny wants to play. Okay. I'm going to, again, just to throw all the rocks in your way. You're skating on the on the boardwalk. I want to make sure that you definitely eat it. So I'm going to throw all these rocks in your way. Why can't they have both? They have two DPs open. Why can't you have both? Why can't you have a mix? Why can't you have a big name? Why can't you? Why, why can't you have a Griezmann? Be, be, and, because and, I and, think and, and then a young a a young DP. 
that big name has to fit. Oh yeah. And I would argue, I would argue that when they set up their team in 2018 under Ziggy, Zalatan mm-hmm. was the best player of the galaxy. One of the best players, maybe, maybe Robbie Keane was better. One of the best players the galaxy ever had. I don't know that he necessarily fit that team. They made one playoff appearance. I think overall their record was one or two games over 500. He scored mm-hmm. 50 goals in 54 games. Yeah. He was a great signing, but I don't know if he fit that team. And that, I'm just saying that, yes, if you have a opening for a winger and Anton Griezmann's available and he's the best player, but, sure. But what if you have an opening for a winger and Anton Griezmann wants to play center back? Do you go sign sign him and say, okay, you're our center back? No, I, I think you signed the, the best player to fit that position. I don't think I don't Antoine think Griezmann should be playing center back. I don't, no, think, I don't that's think that's his strong be. suit. But I, I think the Galaxy in the past have gotten – I think you look at Giovanni Dos Santos and, and you look at Steven Gerrard are good examples. They sign those players because of their name. I don't think right. any – Bruce didn't want those players. I don't think if you look at those players and say they don't fit this team, right? But management said this is a name that we want. I think the Galaxy will get away from that. That doesn't mean they're not going to sign. If Mbappe wants to come and they need a striker, guess what? They're going to get Mbappe. What if they uh, don't need a striker and Mbappe wants to come? Are you telling me the LA Galaxy you, don't wouldn't no, sign no. him? <laughs> there are certain okay. players that yes, you bring. I in. just again, I just want to make sure I'm being careful because you, you make some assumptions sometimes. I'm not no, sure they're I, correct. I think we can agree that Gerard was brought in for his name. He wasn't brought in. He was brought in and made a DP because he's a big name. I maintain to this year that if you don't sign Steven Gerard, you're an idiot in that position. I just don't. I just, again, I know people will crucify me for that. That's fine. Uh, It's one of my unpopular. It's like one of my hot take unpopular opinions. That's fine. I think that that's an easy decision to make and you you absolutely sign him and you bring him over. Was it a great decision? No. Gerard had some success when he was with the LA Galaxy. He wasn't a total bust, but he was pretty bad. I just remember whenever he was going to play Frank Lampard, right? And there it was it was uh, LA Galaxy in New York City and it was uh, Steven Gerard versus Frank Lampard and then they were both injured and neither of them played. It was a lot of fun. Well, I remember traveling with the Galaxy at that time when we still traveled and every stadium we went to was just full of Steven Gerrard jerseys. Mm-hmm. And other teams told me, like Vancouver, I remember saying, man, our average attendance is like 12,000. We got 29,000 right. here and they're all wearing Steven Gerrard jerseys. Um, there was a Cudicini, remember when they signed him? That was a, a player that was a huge bust but was a big name. Yeah, well, here's here's my argument. And one, I think it should be pointed out because somebody uh, in the chat room also said, hey, maybe more. Uh, it was Lasso's Optimism. There is this rumble that there's going to be a fourth DP added to to MLS yes. as well. And if that's the case, then I'm really on board with mine and way against yours, which is you will get big names, you will get young players. I think the Galaxy with what they're doing with Ricky Pouge, I think this is the year you have to pay Ricky Pouge more money. I think you make him a significant designated player. He's not going to be one of these like alternate DPs that can also be a TAM player. Um, although I guess if you really convinced him that he could be a TAM player again and you could drop it and then you get all these DPs, maybe that's a way to finagle things. But for me, I think you pay Ricky Pouge this, this offseason. You make him a full DP, which then means the LA Galaxy, in order to keep their U22 players, right, would have to go and get a young DP. Well, if you have four designated player spots and you then would be searching for three of them, right? Ricky's your first, right? And then so you would have three other spots you could fill. There's no doubt in my mind that you go get a young designated player out there who can then make sure you keep all of your U22s, right? That's a really good rare point on your behalf in that um, things are going to change this offseason. Too many teams have complained about this this schedule and and the number of games. There are going to be I think rather significant roster changes. I think you will see a fourth DP. I think you'll see more TAM money, mm-hmm. and I think you'll see some some major movement on on the salary cap because they need to build out the middle of those rosters to to play all those games. And I think when you look at where the Galaxy are now, 
Will Kuntz is here. He wasn't here last year. If you're going to make those changes and give somebody those extra weapons and that extra dollars, I'd much rather have Will Kuntz in making those decisions than some of the, the, the general managers and stuff on these teams that had high salaries and didn't make the playoffs. Right. No, I, I mean, I think it's listen, there's a lot of rule changes that could take place. Like you, maybe you don't need a young designated player to have three U22s. You just get three U22s, right? Like they can do a lot of things. So it's tough to speculate. But my my argument is always going to be that until somebody proves me wrong, the LA Galaxy needs stars and they need winning and it doesn't work without either of them. And yet I have yet to be proved wrong. Um, so I, I wait, I wait and anticipate that that day coming, but in my mind, you're always going to have the stars. So who's going to sell the tickets right right now without Chicharito, nobody's selling tickets, right? Douglas Costa is gone. He's not coming back either. No, Douglas Costa isn't going to be a TAM player. He'll make a lot of money in other places, right? So when we look at these things, right, there's a mix and it's always a healthy mix. The LA galaxy this year had an average, I think age of 25 years old right now. Is everybody 25 years old? No, there's younger guys and there's older guys. You mentioned guys like Maya Yoshida. You mentioned Gaston Brugman being 31 years old. By the way, 32 is still not that old, dude. Uh, not especially, not even in MLS ranks is 32 old. Yes, for a midfielder, maybe getting up there in years, but still plenty of years, a couple good years still left on, on Brugman. You mentioned Jonathan Bond before we started talking about him being 30 years old. Goalkeepers don't even like grow up until they're 31, 32, 33, right? So my, my son will be 30 in December. So there. So see, <laughs> if he was a goalkeeper, I would say that he's just about ready to hit his prime, right? Those 30 to 40 years are where goalkeepers really strive, right? So those are the things that you, that you see. I think there are going to be a lot of turn. I think there's going to be some turnover. I don't think it's anywhere near what people think it's going to be. I think there are a lot of pieces and depth pieces in place for the LA Galaxy to sort of put some stuff together that could really work for next season. Um, and I think that Greg Vandy is going to get a chance to do that. And somebody said, uh, you know, it's fine. Greg Vandy can stay just as long as he doesn't make designated player decisions. Well, who, who do you think is going to make them? Do you think they're suddenly going to install somebody above Greg Vanny who's going to make soccer decisions? That's not how that works, right? This is the model that they wanted to talk about. I even talked about this, Kevin, on, I think, Thursday night, which is if you're going to fire Greg Vanny, who's out there looking for a coach right now? Who in the LA Galaxy is looking for the soccer operations guys are all Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny's the top of that. And then all the soccer operations guys, right? Uh, Tom Braun is the president of the business side. He's not looking for a coach. He's a business guy. He's not a soccer operations guy. So who is it that would be out there looking for a new coach? The only person I can think of that's at the top of the pyramid that could start the thing is Dan Beckerman. And is Dan Beckerman the guy who you want to look for a new soccer coach? Maybe if someone wakes Phil up, Phil Anschutz, and reminds him he has a soccer team. Weekend at Bernie's. I'm convinced. It's weekend at Bernie's but, time. Y you know, the way it works is, of course, Greg Vanny, I don't know if Will Kuntz goes to him or, you know, Greg walks down the right. the, uh, the the corridor at the office there and, and pops into Will Kuntz's office. But at some point, there's a conversation. Hey, how do you want to play? What, what's your what's your formation? What's your tactical, uh, it, you know, approach going to be next season? Here's how I'm going to play. What do you need to make that work? I need a winger and I need a, a, a backup goalkeeper, whatever it is he needs. And then Will Kuntz goes out and finds that. Or he comes back and says, you know, I couldn't get that winger, but I got a really good central mid, uh, midfielder. What if Would that work? And that's how it happens. It's not like Will Kuntz just comes in with a bunch of baseball cards and jumps on his desk and says, here's your team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, the Galaxy. And this was, I think, at the beginning of this year, or maybe the end of last year, where we were talking about ghost teams and the Galaxy's ability to put ghost teams together. Might have been last year. 
um, where the galaxy were starting to put a ghost team. Ghost teams are that you have, you know, basically different levels of players put on teams. And then if you go and you say, I need a midfielder, then you go to those ghost teams and you say, well, what, how much money do we have to spend? Oh, we have this. Okay, then let's go to this team. And this is your midfielder. This is the fourth guy. He's over here in France. This is what we, this is what we, this is, he fits the style of play that you want. He's this, uh, you were going to have to spend this much money on them. And this is what we expect. That's what ghost teams are. The ability to have a list of guys ready whenever you need to make moves. Those ghost teams go into action in the off season. In fact, the ghost teams are already in action right now and they're moving players around constantly. That's what the scouting job is to do is to fill those ghost teams. That way, whenever Greg needs a player and he needs to pull a trigger that that's what happens. Right? So, um, this is, you know, by the way, since, since we're talking about Will Koontz a lot, since he left the Yankees, they have not won a world series. And since he left LAFC, they have not won a supporter shield. Crazy. That, it, interesting. Mind-blowing stats, Kevin. Mind-blowing. This is why we have you on the show. Um, let's go to uh, Gary. Gary gave us a $5 super chat. Says, thank you very much to the both of you for all the hard work and dedication. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate you always in the chat room. Uh, you're excellent. Very good. Jose, by the way, his very first super chat on the live stream. And he wow. gives us a $20 super chat. Wow. Goes big out of the gate first time. Just that's like yeah. a that's like a DP. That's like Zlatan. Go big or go home. That's, yeah, that's yeah. He saw that that dance Tam money. Probably. Right. That's what he said. So uh, Jose says, I understand that Greg Vanny will be back, and I'm rooting for him to succeed. But I'm tired of the predictability of his tactics and lack of not being able to adjust. It's sad when we know our coach does not have a plan B in his playbook. I would disagree entirely. Greg Vanny is a second half team coach. All he does is adjust. I would argue that you want a guy who can come out of the gate stronger the galaxy have usually been a set better second half team than a first half team that's not season that's game right they've been a better you, they usually adjust in the second half better than they than they normally do um, you know who the best coach i've been around i mean bruce yes, yes. I, I i know i don't know what, what what bruce's magic was but but i thought ziggy was really good at making halftime adjustments steve Chirondola was last year when lafc was so good in the second half but he didn't really make adjustments he just had horses on the bench that no one else could match um Ziggy didn't have horses, but he was able to tactically make changes. I thought he was a great halftime manager. I always, it's always, uh, you know, talking about this and, and this is, maybe this is perspective that you want. Maybe it's perspective that you don't want. It's just my perspective on having talked to every coach since Bruce Arena was here and, and sort of watching them and, and seeing things. Um, Bruce was a great coach, Kevin, but. I don't know about you, but I always feel like he was like pixie dusting it half the time. Like great. He would just Bruce would just do something and it would work. And you're like, man, coaching so easy. All you have to do is do this. Bruce is so good. Like to me, Bruce is not a great tactical manager. Bruce is a man manager and he was able to get the most out of guys, whether or not. However, he didn't. I don't know that he necessarily cared about what the tactics were. He just knew that these guys would fit in this direction. What? Beckham said that he played for uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, at Manchester United. And he said Bruce was the best man manager ever played for. One of Bruce's lessons was um, he said, you know, everyone says you should treat all the players the same. He said, that's such a fallacy. Am I going to treat David Beckham the same as I treat some 16 year old kid that just came up from Galaxy 2? Right. Well, I don't think they had Galaxy 2 then. But the point being some young kid. No, no. Beckham has earned different treatment. What you do, what you need to do is make sure that everyone respects those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. We know David Beckham earned it. We know I got to carry the dirty laundry because I'm the new kid and everyone understands that and it doesn't change. If he scores a couple of goals, then he doesn't have to carry the dirty laundry anymore. No. No. You know, you're the 16 year old. You're going to be doing that you're gonna be no and and i agree he was the manager tactically for me 
Um, I, 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 you know, maybe this is wrong, but in terms of explaining the game, explaining what he wants to see, I understand the way that Greg Vanny tries to coach and it just fits my head for whatever reason. I see a lot of the same things whenever I'm watching the game. Usually he and I come to an agreement whenever I say, Hey, I saw this. He's like, no, you're right. Um, which always makes me feel good, which happens like, you know, twice a year. So, well, you know, I mean, let's be honest with Bruce. It's that's never going to be replicated. Basically, Bruce just said, Robbie Keane, go score a goal. And yeah. he could do that. Right. And Omar Gonzalez, don't give up a goal. And right. he could do that. Right. Most teams don't have that. Well, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, whenever you have GBS and it's like, hey, your your, your idea here is just to cross the ball to Zlatan. Corte, right. Corte, Corte. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Just hey, just get there and cross the ball to Zlatan. All right. That's all you need to do. Um you know, it, it's a thing. And uh, Don, by the way, says uh, Bruce expects players to play hard. He has midfielders who have fouled and his teams could park the bus. They absolutely, I mean, they were defensively sound. They always were. But if you ever watched Bruce's training, it wasn't like he was sitting there talking about tactics and doing this stuff. He just got guys who knew what they were doing. And then he would yell at them whenever they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And that's, I don't want that to sound like that's a diss on what Bruce did. It's genius level. It's above. It's a, maybe it's a different plane than I'm operating on because he just had that ability. You know, I see the guys who come in, you know, um, I see Anolfo. I see, you know, I saw Siggy Schmidt. I saw Dominic Kinnear, who I have just so much respect for. Dominic Kinnear is at one of the tops of my coaching pyramids as well. Just how his able, his ability to motivate players. Um, and he's winning a supporter shield, um, with, uh, with Cincinnati. Um, just the, the ability to, to get the most out of players was a dominant Kinnear guy and, and to be relatable. And again, a really good, another, he's on a similar plane, maybe to Bruce in a lot of ways. You know, Bruce strikes me as being kind of like a NFL manager, a college football manager, coach, head coach, and that he sets the tone, he sets the atmosphere, sets the culture and other people, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in football, they do the work, right? Dave Sarakin was uh, Bruce's eyes and ears on the practice field. He ran for the national team. For the Galaxy, if you went to training, Bruce was standing off on the side watching. Nothing got past him, but Dave was the one barking at people and setting up the plays and telling people what to do. Um, and, and so I, it was very much sort of a, a, an NFL-type environment where Dave was the hands-on guy and Bruce was the, the brains. I love Dave. So talk about another guy who's like up on oh, my coaching like, we, pyramid. We should Dave check Sheridan. in with him. We should. You know, he's he's in Israel. Do you do you know that is he, oh that's right is he is I heard Robbie Keane got had to be evacuated out of Israel. That was what uh, Aaron was talking about in the chat room before the show started. Um, so he was in there because he was he's coaching Tel Aviv right and the whole day yeah and that. Dave and Dave's coaching in Israel too I think also in Tel Aviv. You know, make sure you text him because um, I know I've texted. By the way, if I texted Dave Sarakin today right now and I haven't talked to Dave in a couple years probably right if I text him he would answer me back. That's the kind of guy that Dave Sarakin. Hey, how's it going? It's good to hear from you. You know the whole deal. Just an amazing man. Anyway, we could tell stories about all this stuff. Uh, but by, by the way, speaking of Galaxy alumni. Uh, Cameron Dunbar is playing at uh, Orange County, playing very well. They really like him there. No, I mean, you know, it's weird. How I will say this once again, uh, and I've said it before, making it into Major League Soccer and having a successful career is as much luck as it is hard work. And and sometimes guys just it it goes wrong for whatever reason. So that's where it is. Uh, Listen, I know we're going to talk about this 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 progression of Greg Vanny and what's going to happen in the offseason. This is not over. We have plenty of off-season to talk about. If you'll remember, it, we shut down for like a very small amount, and then we keep on going. Um, so just keep that in mind. We will talk about this. We will get people to talk. We will have guests on. We will do the whole thing we normally do in the off-season. So be prepared for that. What I also want you to be prepared for is there is no show on Thursday. There is no show next Monday because I am going to be back east. I have to go to a funeral. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, I get the well, day off? Uh, yeah, you get the day off. Um, With pay? Uh, yeah, double play because of the inconvenience. Oh. 
Um, but I have a funeral to go to in Virginia. So I will be back there uh, with my family doing that. And then I will be back. And so we'll, our next show is uh, a week from this coming Thursday. All right. So everybody be prepared for that. Uh, that'll be before um, before you sort of get into the that that last game, the Dallas game. So we'll be able to have a game preview for that one. All right. So uh, that's coming up now real quickly. Not that we care but it's something to watch and something to, that you're all going to enjoy. And I'm going to try to watch it from, uh, from Virginia while I'm there. Uh, if I have any Virginia, uh, 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 peeps out there that want to say hi, let me know too as well. Uh, LA, uh, and Salt Lake coming up 7 30, uh, PM on Saturday, October 14th. Uh, this game at Dignity Hill sports park. The game is free on Apple TV kickoff time, 7 39. So a nine minute lead in RSL, uh, had, uh, got unlucky. Uh, in in their game comes back from a, uh, a I think it was a three goal deficit at one point to make it three two uh, they were down to ten players for most of that time again had Dallas or had San Jose beaten Dallas and then RSL beaten Sporting Kansas City the LA Galaxy would still be playing for something this weekend even though they lost right so um, something to watch on this the only thing I'm going to say is that this goes one of two ways Kevin and unfortunately it's like you know oh this is going to be good or this is going to be bad either the Galaxy decide they want to wreck it for other people that they want to you know finish this out or they're just simply they've given too much of themselves down the stretch to have enough in the tank for the last two games and does Ricky Pooj play I mean there's no there's no hurry to have Pooj come back there's no hurry to have Delgado back there's no hurry for any of these guys now uh Greg Vanny said that he wanted guys to come out and 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 really play hard with the in the last couple of games and really show that they're they were fighting for something and especially on fan appreciation day against Dallas to be there and try to win games to do that stuff right but he also said there were going to be chances for other guys to come in and get some minutes so guys like maybe Johnny Perez or Gino Vivi or some other things I think you're going to see some chances for those guys to come in and have some effect on games well it, it's tough because there are 15 guys with contracts expiring again. Some of them have options, but Vivi, you mentioned, you know, Judd, Nagiri, and those people. Yeah, Greg needs to evaluate them because he needs to make decisions on the offseason. But, they, other, you know, they've lost two in a row now, right? I think, what, it was four of the last five they've lost now. They don't want to lose two more and go in the offseason with taking that stench with them and that bad feeling. They need to feel – they need to do something to feel good about themselves. Now, that could be a one nothing loss. It could be a th- – a three-two. It could be a draw. Right. It could be a lot of different things. They just need to take a little bit of momentum to the offseason. Otherwise, you spend four months thinking about we lost five of our last six or six of our last seven or whatever it is, and we finished thirteenth because Josh said we had to stay in thirteenth. You have to. Don't please don't climb. Please stay in thirteenth. It's such a better story. We'll get to talk about thirteenth for years to come if they just stay there. Uh, and we'll go back and actually uh, actually see what it is. By the way, somebody had put in here. They said that I needed to ask Chris Tucker who was it that say I think I missed it. Um, and I just remember, uh, yeah, uh, will, I am, uh, basically said, uh, a $5 and 69 cent super chat. Can you ask your good friend, Chris Tucker, if we broke a record for the most time in 13th place? Thank you for that. Will. I appreciate you. Uh, if you're still listening, I apologize that it's been so long to, to get there. Um, yeah, it, it will be, I, w- I do sort of want to see if that's the longest the galaxy have ever stayed in any place. It feels like they were just glued there. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, if you don't finish 13th, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you for the next you, four months. You know what the weirdest part about? They were the third hottest team in the league all summer Yeah, and they never moved. Nope. No, this cause the hole was so deep. Jonathan Bond talked about it. He said the hole was so deep. He goes, we were playing behind the ape all the whole time. Um, so yeah, it'll be. It'll be in, interesting to sort of see how these last two games get played out. You probably won't have game coverage for me on Saturday night. I doubt I'll be able to pull that off, um, but we'll see. Maybe I'll be back at the hotel and I can watch it and, and do that, but I wouldn't count on me at this point. Here is my thing that I will leave everybody with, even before the season is, is com- officially over. 
Um, there will come a time when the games end, right? The, the games will stop, Kevin. The end of the season is there. The Galaxy will uh, tell us that they're going to have exit interviews and never do it. Um, and then we, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my favorite part, it's of, the my favorite part of the off season, right? Um, so, and we will have sort of this ending and it's weird for the show because the show doesn't really stop. Sometimes we take a week off just to sort of shake things off and, and give us a, a breather, um, on the show from doing it two times a week. Um, but we get into the off season and we start going into that off season and there's something that happens in the off season. And this is the optimistic part of every season that happens is you start looking forward to the next year. You start missing soccer because for a while, Kevin, I think galaxy fans are going to be okay with not watching the galaxy play for, you know, maybe the first three or four weeks. They're like, okay, I think I'm okay. I'll I'll survive the whole deal. And then you're going to get into the spot where there's super drafts and there's all these other things and the, the, you know, the playoffs are going to be over and you're going to start to miss soccer and you're going to start to want to be back. And then there's going to be this hope there's like you know there's a chance the galaxy could be good this year look at the look at the possibilities and then there's the transfer window and everything that happens in the offseason these are the some of the best parts of the year is this preseason part of the la galaxy and getting ready for it It happens every year and every year we get because the records are zero and zero everyone's in first place everybody's in first places (laughs) every hope springs eternal right you come back and you're like this is this could be the year and the galaxy have a chance to make some big splashes with some designated player signings right there's a whole bunch of things that lead and eventually it's going to come and you're going to anticipate opening day again and you're going to enjoy that feeling. So while I say that the end of the season, especially this season, is always, uh, you know, it's a bit embarrassing to see the Galaxy not make the playoffs again. Um, and I think that's a that's a valuable and appropriate feeling if you're an L.A. Galaxy fan to be embarrassed by the way that this season went from the very, very, very beginning all the way to the end. It was not a year in which the L.A. Galaxy even for one moment showed that they were the LA galaxy of yore, that they were the crown jewel of major league soccer. And I think the entire organization has to reckon with that of which they put out for the first half of the season for sure. Right. Well, you know what you talked about? It, it gives me goosebumps because man, spring training was always my favorite part of being a baseball writer. Everybody was going to hit 60 homers. Everybody was going to win 20. Every pitch was going to win 20 games. It was so much fun to be there. And then the season would start. And after a week, you know, you realize that no, none of no, that was no, going to happen. No, it's not gonna happen but yeah. I, I want to say one thing really quickly about the exit interviews, because I was actually thinking about Giassi's artists the other day. The way exit interviews work in every other sport is you go to the stadium the day after the team's season is over or they're eliminated from the playoffs or whatever it is. And this happens whether a team finishes last place or loses in the seventh game of the World Series. You go to the stadium the next day. Everybody comes in to clean out their lockers. There Generally, there's a time period, and you just hang, hang around the locker room, and you talk to whoever you want. You want to talk to Clayton Kershaw? Great. You want to talk to whomever, the backup bullpen catcher? He's there, and you go talk to anybody you want. The way the MLS does it is you know, ham-handed, and, and the Galaxy are part of that, too. They tell you exit interviews on Tuesday, come on out, and then – you can't see anybody. The guy you wanted already went back to Uruguay or he's uh, he's not coming in today and you get two or three people outside the locker room um, and you can't ask any like personal questions about contracts or anything else. It's micromanics. And I say all that because it certainly doesn't work and it doesn't give us the information we need. But I'll never forget every year we saw Giassi's artist. And this is when he was a big a star, not a kid. He would always come out of that locker room carrying a big trash bag full of shoes and another yep. trash bag full of clothes that he would go give to kids in the community that didn't have soccer shoes or clothes. And he did that every year. What he would do is as people were cleaning out their locker, you'd see them throwing shoes in the trash or whatever. Josh would say, put it in the bag. 
I got some kids that want it, and I'll never forget him for that. It was always amazing. Yeah, it, it, there was always. I, I remember doing some exit interviews with some different guys. In fact, my favorite picture that I have is me standing behind Landon Donovan as Donovan was giving an exit interview. Robert Mora took the picture, and it was like me, a young Josh Gessman, uh, fresh into his like I think first or second year, sort of being a reporter and transitioning into this reporter role, uh, was standing behind Landon Donovan there. I also have some front covers of ESPN that are I'm pretty fond of. Whenever Donovan got left off of the uh, the World Cup team and he came and specifically made sure that I got a, a question we had Landon Donovan on the show our white whale right so we've we've basically crossed off and checked off all the things that we've wanted to check off through all these years um, we finally got it done and so uh, this has been a weird year absolutely weird if if the galaxy and the players had to go through some of the stuff that we had to go through just in terms of the weirdness of this year. I can understand it being one that you feel like you didn't give your best because I feel well, like was, I didn't give my best, Kevin. I what, feel like I was, was What year was weirder, this one or the COVID year? I'm going to tell, I'm going to say something that, that history will judge me poorly for this year was weirder. And the only reason was COVID was a year. This podcast thrived. We had guests on. We did all sorts. Remember, like, we were just pulling people up, and nobody had anything to do. Kevin, we could get anybody we wanted. It was it was an easy year for us in terms of that. And then we got to go to the stadiums. There was nobody in the parking lot. There was no traffic to work or yeah. worry about or anything like that. It was great. Had we to got your own food, right? We got we got to see the live live soccer. It was great. Um, we had our own little desks with with, with walls, fake fake hedges. Them. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> You know, all those things. So, you know, obviously within the context of the pandemic, not great. But for what we had to do, it was it was actually kind of enjoyable and what we were able to do. Um, that being said, this year's been weird. Uh, 2017 I, I, was one of our better years on the podcast, too. And the Galaxy were horrible. That's not this year. This year was was bad on a lot of on a lot of levels. And I don't think the podcast like has been the best this year. It just yeah, it I, hasn't I, been. I think this year's but yeah, I think this year has been harder for me because it's been a weird year, but you're st- Everything is normal outside of that. You're still expected to produce good stories, produce good podcasts. I think in the COVID year, there was a lot of relaxing. It's like, I can't talk to anybody, so the story is going to suck. You know, can't really analyze things on the, on the podcast because we really didn't see anything or talk to anybody. So it just felt like it was kind of relaxed. We'll, we'll do the best we can. And sometimes it came out pretty good. This year, it's like, hey, all the resources were there. It's just nothing fit because it was so weird it was just it was a weird year uh i'll be happy whenever there's two games left and i'll be happy when there's no games left and i'll be happy to have a little break and then we'll come back and we'll get ready to rock and roll again it's how it always is it's a cycle it keeps going round and round up and down in a circle uh so that's where we're at anything else you want to talk about kevin because we've rambled on for plenty of time tonight uh, yeah, but, this but, was... but we gave everybody a good show because no, we're deep into stoppage time yeah i mean you know this is one they hold up the board there were 30 minutes of, of added time on this one um but the other thing is we don't have a show on thursday so you might as well enjoy this one a couple times i guess um yeah so anyway that's what it is you can be team kevin or team josh uh with the debate that we had earlier so we could see those hashtags out on twitter or your preferred social media that's fine um yeah you're start... back in 13th place again yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna get a shirt that just says 13th on it just 13 that's That'd be it. awesome i just want it i just want it for me i don't care if you know 13 is actually a lucky number in venezuela that's that's good to know that's good that's to why know. you see a lot of, of top venezuelan athletes in whatever sport they wear the number 13 it's it, a lucky number it's 13 is a lucky number in the religion of taylor swift as well so um is it oh yeah she her her lucky number is 13 but Kelsey is 85 isn't he I, 87 I, I he he looks like he's 20 27 28 to me but Oh, you were talking about his age. Oh, not his age. No, okay. his number. His number. Got it. His number. Perfect. No problems. She All doesn't right. go to the game this weekend. He gets hurt. I don't know. That's weird. I'm just saying she's a witch. That's all. 
I mean, a good witch, but a witch. All right. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find? Oh, wait, no, I say that for you. Everybody else on the podcast, I get them to say it, but I don't trust you to say it. That's right. Okay, I remember. <laughs> if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com for all of Kevin's wonderful writing. He's there. He's ready to listen to you on Twitter. So please reach out. Tell him that you think he's the smartest one on the show or whatever other lies you want to tell him. So that way he comes back on the show all the time. Kevin Baxter's right there for you at kbaxter11 at latimes.com. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, at Galaxy Podcast on threads as well. Cornerofthegalaxy.com, our YouTube channel, our Spotify channel, Apple, iTunes, any of those places that you want to look for a podcast, you can find Corner of the Galaxy. We are there. For Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Take it away, Mr. Michael Araujo. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>